Welcome to One to Watch Wednesday featuring independent and emerging artists and bands from across Canada and their songs. My name is Sarah Scott. Thanks so much for hanging out this week. In the spotlight this week is the award-winning country western artist out of Manitoba, Quentin Blair. This episode has been a long time coming and I'm so excited for it. And of course, in this episode, you are going to get to know Quentin a lot better as we talk about his musical journey, his career goals, the people he would love to perform with, and the stages he cannot wait to hit one day. I know we're going to see him on some of the stages that he mentions for sure. This guy's got talent. We talk about his writing and how he writes with a strong sense of place and imagery and how he is a great story teller and how he hones in on that skill and how much that is one of his favorite part of performing is the storytelling. He effortlessly communicates both story and song. You're going to hear all of that. We also talk about how he is a family man who loves the outdoors and taking people on adventures. And of course, so much more. And you can't hear about Quentin without hearing a couple of his songs. So in this episode, you are also going to hear his really cool song, Wild Horse Rider, and his latest release that I just love, $20 Bottle. Well, I am pretty darn excited for this episode, so let's get right on into it. So first off, Quentin, thank you so much for joining me for One to Watch Wednesday. This is so exciting. It was great to meet you at the Canadian Country Music Award Week officially after talking for several months, trying to get you on the podcast. Here we are, and it's an absolute pleasure to get you on. And I have to read this first, and I have to read this before we get to know you a little bit more because I don't know who wrote this, but I love it. Okay. Honest as a day spent on a Manitoba tractor and driven like the drifting prairie snow, four-time Manitoba Country Music Association Award winner Quentin Blair is a road-running, tail-spitting songwriter, silky and smooth like a diesel engine. His beard glistens in the setting sun. It's rodeo mud in his teeth and horses in his blood. <laughs> I love that description so much. I had to read that out to give my listeners a little bit better of an idea of who you are, but let's get to know you a bit better. So you are born in the prairies of Manitoba. You got country running through your roots deep in the Pembina Valley and Parkland regions of Manitoba. Here you are. You're undeniably authentic. But Quinton, how did you get your start in music? Where, when, and how did it all start for you? Well, I started playing music at a at a really young age. I spent a lot of time playing piano and and that kind of stuff. And I didn't, wasn't really drawn to music. You know, my grandmother was very musical and whatever. But I just I didn't really get drawn to it. I started playing guitar going into high school, and then I met a friend in my in my grade twelve year, and we became best friends instantly. But we had very different music tastes, and uh, what that forced us to do is start writing songs together because we didn't know any of the same kind of catalog. So that's where the songwriting really came from. You know, I kind of maybe think that I get my writing style from, uh, you know, more along the lines of maybe like a Louis L'Amour, who's this, you know, great Western author, but he just seems to effortlessly paint a picture for you with his words. And when I'm writing, especially when I'm writing on my own, that's a strong characteristic or a strong meaning of mine is to start painting pictures and telling stories using words in those moments. So, um, yeah, music has always been a part of my life, but it really became a part of my life kind of late out of high school and then into my early 20s. And I didn't really start touring until uh, maybe the middle of my 20s and, and then just kind of took off from there as far as where we get to play. We travel all over these beautiful prairies of ours and we play basically from the Manitoba-Ontario border all the way up to the eastern slope of the Rockies and into Alberta. So it's a fun way to travel and meet people, that's for sure, because they're always meeting new and interesting people in this business. That is very, very true. It is. And it's so fun that you get to be a part of this journey with your music. And talking about your songwriting, it has been mentioned that you do stick firmly to writing what you know and that your songs do speak to the rural listener with stories of heartbreak, of family, and of course, rural living. And you have a lifelong love of the outdoors. You are quite the enthusiast. So you write with a strong place of imagery. And I heard that for sure. And you love storytelling so much in your songs. You have heavy undertones of the 70s and 80s and 90s. 
outlaw country and dance hall country and everybody loves your kind of country these days. You're very on trend, but also you always have been because your music has always been so good. So let's talk about a songwriting session with you. What does it look like? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a great question. It, it, all, it all depends, I guess, on on maybe who I'm writing with. I, I would say that I don't have that large of a roster of co-writes. Um, there was a time in my life where I would write with everybody that I knew and tried to learn, and there's so much to learn from that. But then it kind of really dials in and you go, wow, you know, I seem to really align with these couple of writers and, and I'm always still expanding and, and looking at new opportunities. And it's funny, you write with a guy like Jason McCoy or Jason Blaine and it, you know, it's, it's kind of like, or Dwayne Thompson even, you're like, man, it feels like this guy's written 10,000 songs in his life because they've written 10,000 songs in their lives. Just fantastic songwriters. They understand melody. They understand rhyme. They understand phrasing. And it's so great to kind of hop into rights like that. Um, and at the same point, too, sometimes it's interesting to jump outside of the vein a little bit and co-write with some some people who don't necessarily co-write. Because country music is one of those genres where songwriting and co-writing together is such, such a part of the establishment of country music. But it's not like that in every other genre. So I've been fortunate enough to go to different songwriting retreats and songwriting camps where we'll be placed in groups with, you know, every genre is is sort of represented in in one songwriting co-write. And it's just, it's neat to see what you can come up with when you take elements from different people. But I mean, one of the truths about, you know, being a good co-writer is just always serving a song and never getting caught up on, oh, I like my line better than your line or whatever. It's, it's like a series of just like, just absorbing and giving everything an opportunity, everything a breath. And at the end of the day, if you if you don't like it, then don't sing it, and that's fine. But uh, you know, you're always respecting your your co-writing partners and really giving them that opportunity to share their voice in it as well. It's always interesting when you sit back with the different songwriters. Like everyone's got kind of their own style, and there'll be times when you you look back and you kind of find that oh, I remember you know I remember that I came up with this line, or I don't even know who came up with this line. It was so great, it just kind of came together. And and you sit back and you can always find in a co-write that there's elements of you in it, but there's also elements of somebody else or a couple other people in it. And, and I think that's what makes co-writing so great is just that, um, you know, that, that opportunity to bring all these different minds together and come out with this song that, um, you know, just sounds very different. And I've done it before where, you know, I've written a song on my own. And then there's a couple of things that just kind of, as Aaron Allen would say, just rubs the wrong way. There's something that's just kind of, you know, like you got a rock in your shoe and just kind of like, ugh, it's not quite right. And then in those moments, like I've taken songs like that and, and broken them down and actually rewritten them with uh, all of a sudden into a co-writing session. And um, I've been so happy with how the song came out and, and so amused at the fact that when I wrote it one way, it, it sounded this way. And then when we co-wrote it and we brought in other voices and opinions, it came out completely different, but for the better. And I probably wouldn't sing that song still today if I had just kept my original version. But the the value of co-writing is so strong, but such an important part of that country music industry. It really is. And you're kind of saying like, take the ego out of it and put the emotion and the heart into it when you're doing co-writes in a sense, you know? That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> Absolutely right. Absolutely. Always, always respect your co-writer and give them that opportunity to you know, if they don't like a line, let them say it and then go find a better line. Cause you know, it's kind of like that thing. There's no, when you say there's no like stupid question in, in school or whatever it is, right? Like if you're thinking it, someone else is probably thinking it too. So use that as a gauge to go, Hey, we need to make this line better. We need to change what we're saying uh, just to accommodate what we're trying to facilitate in this, in this conversation uh, as an artist to your listening crowd. That is so cool. So uh, before I ask you one question about your songwriting independently, like by yourself in a room, I have a question that I haven't asked any country artists before, but you talk about how it's many minds and many different ideas and almost different genres coming together in many different songwriting camps. So with that said, when somebody says country music isn't the country music we know and love or something along those lines or country music isn't country music anymore, how do you feel about that as a country artist? Honestly, I think that country is more country now than it's been for the last 10 years. Like you put, you put on, uh, like just when you're listening to the radio, it's like, this is actually bonafide country music that we're hearing now. And I feel that 
sometimes when people say that, they may not be really understanding some of the elements of country music. I mean, maybe that's because, you know, I've been so influenced by the 90s. That was the era that I grew up sort of really falling in love with country music. And now I just get to play it all the time. You mentioned it, you know, off the top here that it's so on point right now that people are playing 90s country. But I mean, that's what I've been playing the entire time. And I played it when it wasn't really cool to be doing it. And now all of a sudden you play a show and, you know, kids are asking for like Boots, Food and Boogie. And I'm like, are you sure? Like there's there's a lot of other songs out there too. And I'm fine playing that song, but it's not like I I can't wait to play that tune. You know, I've played it for 20 years. I don't, (laughs) it just seems like it, like I remember when I got that album, like Neon Moon and Brand New Man and, you know, Lost and Found in a Border Town. Like that's, that was such a great album, but that album's like, I think it's 26 or 27 years old right now. So it's, it's funny to see, you know, you know, a 17 or, or 22 year old, you know, person kind of come up to the stage and, and request a song that's like double their age. So <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of interesting the way that, that works, but I think that there's, there's more draw now and there's more, uh, there's more country in country music now than there has been for probably the previous 10 years before that. So I feel like when people, maybe when they say that, they're not actually necessarily really um, in-depthly looking at where country music is. Now, that being said, there is a lot of pop and hip-hop in in country music as well, which can equally be, you know, that's the stuff that that maybe I don't get drawn to the same way. But I'm really happy with what's coming out right now uh, on the mainstream, but also on those, you know, sub-genre levels too, you know, whether it's your... Charlie Crockett's or your Coulter Walls or, you know, there's, there's this whole kind of other opportunity of for people wanting to consume country music that sounds more like that 70s country music. But it also comes down to the ear of the listener and going, well, if you relate to 1970s country and that's the country that sounds country to you, well, yeah, you're going to have an issue with anything that doesn't sound like that. So, you know, we don't have the same storytellers like we used to, you know, if you'd see like that like a Tom T. Hall, for example, I, I would, you know, agree with the fact that we don't see that. But, man, country music, there's room for everybody in this genre. And there's room for everybody at every festival and every show that you play. There's, there's people that like a little bit of everything. So, yeah, that's kind of my, my take on where music is right now. I love that positivity around that. And I feel the exact same way. We are all country music, you know, and we can all embrace it in some way or another. So you, as a songwriter, independently, I read that you seem to get even more creative overnight. Like your best writing times are in the AM hours. So when you write a song independently, how do you go into your songwriting process? Well, it's usually because I can't sleep for some reason. And and I've learned that, you know, if, if there's something kind of on your mind, and it's keeping you from sleeping, you should probably just get up and deal with it. Instead of just fighting the pillow for, you know, an extra 45 minutes or whatever, trying to get back to sleep, just get up, pull out your guitar and, and play some, play some songs and start writing down some ideas. And that's, that's my favorite time to write is, is to, uh, you know, sit out on the porch. I love it. If there's a storm blowing through, I'll go and sit outside on the porch, play my guitar and watch the storm, listen to the rain and, and write my song. So I think if there's a characteristic is that, I have to be really mindful that I don't write a bunch of slow down tempo songs, you know, because I write at, you know, one o'clock in the morning. So I have to be conscious of that when I'm writing going, okay, I got to make sure that I can pick this up, you know, to a, to a quicker tempo in the morning. But for now, it's just me and my guitar and just kind of telling the story, figuring out what that story is going to look like. And then hopefully I wake up in the morning and I still like the story. That's really awesome. Now, before we talk about one of your songs here coming up and playing one of your songs here, who are some of your musical inspirations? Well, I, as you can guess, I probably love those storytellers. So yep. <laughs> grew up with uh, with Guy Clark or John Prine. Lyle Lovett, I think, is a master. And so that kind of Texas country music becomes such a strong point because there's such a storytelling history in that genre. Uh, or that side of the genre. And of course, I grew up listening to Garth Brooks and Brooks and Dunn and Mark Chestnut and, and Clint Black and Alabama and Shenandoah, like all those bands from the 90s, right? That was those formative years that I spent like really, really falling in love with country music. So um, there's no doubt that those elements find their way into my songs as well. And that one thing that I always loved about them is that 
you know, when you bought a record, you're buying, you're buying a piece of art. And whether you looked at it or not, I know that country music can be a machine and sometimes it gets written off as going, you know, like, you know, it's just all about making money. You know, I, I love looking at some of those. I was talking to sitting around the campfire the other day with a whole bunch of these old uh, rodeo cowboys and pickup men and stuff. And, and I was talking about, like, you know, Garth Brooks is really, in one way, he changed country music because all of a sudden he had the rock and roll kind of light show and he's jumping up and he's flying through the rafters and he's, you know, putting on this incredible show. And people say, well, he, you know, killed country music. And like, well, he changed country music. I mean, there's an argument to say that Chet Atkins, with his pop influence of the era, is the one who killed country music because all of a sudden he changed the melodic structure of how things were going. So it's just time and place to determine, you know, how country music evolves. But so as much as, as much as, as, a, as a kid, I fell in love with, with watching the Garth Brooks performance. You know, you also see how that impacted some of the other sides of those neo-traditional guys, like say, for example, Randy Travis, or even getting into Keith Whitley, even though he wasn't, you know, on stage performing, just that, that era or that style of classic acoustic driven uh, country music. So yeah, just to, to kind of, Look at all those different aspects. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how you can look at storytellers and then you can look at live performance as a way of bringing, you know, your influences together. But where, where Garth came in for me is that, yeah, he had songs like Standing Outside the Fire or his, his kind of mega hits, whatever you want to kind of use as an example. But he'd also have, you know, songs like The River or beyond that. He had a song called Lonesome Dove. He had a song called Wolves. He had Somewhere Other Than the Night. I mean, he's got so many other really great storyteller songs as well. He used to uh, do a version of uh, the Cowboy song. Sort of that Western element and that Western crowd when no one else was really doing that. And so I've always migrated somewhere between country and folk and somewhere between country and Western because I'm very much a, like a little Western lifestyle. So Garth was that may not be the guy that everyone thinks of as walking that line between the two, but he definitely did and definitely had a major part to do and, you know, kind of influencing me is the way that I write and the way that I perform country music. So I know with that said, everybody's very excited to hear one of your songs here. And I'm going to play Wild Horse Rider. Now, I'm not too familiar with this song myself personally, but I'm very excited to learn more about it. So before I add it in here, tell us a bit more about this song. Oh, this is a legit song. This is a, this is a rodeo dance fight that went sideways. We were playing in a small town called Marchand, Manitoba. And uh, there were some hippies from town that got into a little bit of a tussle with some of the cowboys from the rodeo. And it kind of lives on in, in our band lore as one of those nights that no one really will forget. Um, I met this guy, he used to race wild horses. And so he'd been to Calgary, he'd been to Cheyenne, kind of traveled everywhere, broken his legs a bunch. And, I mean, he, he turned into a, a good friend of mine, uh, but that was the first night I met him. And all of a sudden there's this this whole melee that broke out. And I kind of remember this big scrap on the middle of the dance floor. And I look at you know, my bandmates and I'm like, what do we do? Well, we'll keep on playing. Well, what do we do after that song's over? We were playing the gambler and then uh, somebody requested it. And then the next song I played it, you know, till I can gain control again. When you say nothing at all, blue eyes crying in the rain, help me make it through the night. And I just played love song after love song after love song until the fight finally cooled down and they ended up shutting down the show. But I went home and about six months later, started to kind of revisit that that moment in Marchand and I wrote this song called Wild Horse Rider about the guys who were in the fight. That is incredible and here it is right now this is Wild Horse Rider by our guest Quinton Blair on One to Watch Wednesday.
Yes, Quentin Blair. Now, Quentin, we got to talk about your performances here. Now, you have hit the stage with some very notable musicians in the country genre, of course. Corb Lund, George Canyon, Charlie Major, Del Barber, Doc Walker, Fortunate Ones, Road Hammers, Brothers Latherin, and High Valley, just to name a few. Now, those are some pretty big names, but if you could play with anybody on the entire planet, who would you love to play with and what stage would you love to play with them on? Hmm, that's a great question. You know what? It would just probably depend. The way that I answered that question would probably depend on on the day or the moment or kind of what's going on around me because, you know, a- any of those kind of heroes I've been mentioning from from the past of country music would be amazing to play. And of course, it'd be, you know, could, could you imagine playing Austin City Limits or could you imagine playing the Opry stage? Like, that's great. But at the same point, too, I'd play with any of those guys in a dive bar to nobody on a Tuesday <laughs> afternoon for that matter. Right. So, because what happens when you get on stage is that, you know, artistically, it's not always about who's in the audience. I mean, obviously it, it is about telling your story and portraying your art form to the people who are gathered there listening. But at the same point, the magic in the, in the unspoken communication that happens on stage between band members is that's that's a lot of times why you know music becomes so interesting and 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 drawing people in because it's almost like this just a different kind of a high that it's this fun artistic hey i'm gonna do this and then your pedal steel player does this and then out of nowhere your bass player is echoing the the melody on that on the on the bass riff on the turnaround or something and you're like man this is fun when we're all in that sort of same moment like that so 
I would argue that, that, you know, <laughs> I'd play with anybody. I mean, I'd love to play a show with like somebody like a Jason Isbell or a Chris Stapleton, of course, or, you know, I, I don't think that I could pick it down to, to one player, but it would probably be in some small club where we're having a moment as a band on stage as a unit. Um, I think that would be the, that would be the moment for me. That's really cool. Now, I've seen you play acoustically and you really bring every word to life that you sing and you really make a room go very quiet. Like you just have this incredible storytelling skill when you sing acoustically. I haven't seen you full band. I haven't seen you on a big stage just yet. I'm hoping so one day. So tell us, what is it like to see you in concert? What is a concert experience like with Quentin Blair? Well, I mean, I think you hit it pretty pretty, you know, square on the head of the nail there. As a solo actor in a listening environment, it's definitely my favorite position to be the storyteller. A lot of my songs, they do have stories with them. And the songs that stick in the set the longest are typically the ones that have the best stories that go along with it, because it's equally a part of the delivery of the songs. It's not just saying, hey, I wrote this song about whatever, and then playing the song. It's like, no, this is where I was. This is what I was going through. These are the players who were there. And this is why this song became important to me. But it, you also can't just list things off like that. You have to deliver it in a way that's going to engage people to really want to tune into what you're singing. And, and I honed that skill. I used to play at this restaurant every second Saturday night. And what I found is it didn't matter how like loud I strummed my guitar or how loud I sang into the microphone, people were going to continue to talk. And if I brought down the stage volume... And I told a story, all of a sudden people are going to say, hey, I thought there was a band on stage. Like, who's this guy talking? And, and the lower tempo or the lower volume actually drew them into the story. And then they engaged with you for the rest of the night because you were able to connect with them through story that night. So that's where I actually started that, that honing that skill of storytelling. And I kind of try to, like Del Barber's a great Canadian example of it. He's got a great stage banter when he's walking through um, his set list. He's a, he's kind of a, a rootsy folk singer from uh, English, Manitoba, a very good friend of mine. Todd Snyder would be another guy who's like that. Or Cor Blund is like that too. He can tell stories on stage just to draw people in. So, you know, it's kind of that, that that's part of the package when you're a solo artist. You have to learn how to communicate, but it's not based on volume or on a dance floor. Now, switching gears, when we play with the band, you know, that is a situation where we make sure that we've got a great live show, lots of strong musicianship, a really great set list and an engaging stage performance. But you can't tell your stories at a rodeo dance because people are there to dance. So you learn to present your song in a different way, you know, than you might as a part of a theater show. So that makes it really interesting because people can see us play four or five times and it's a different show every time because we don't play with a set list. We basically walk into a room and I'll read the room and deliver the songs that I think are going to connect with the people the best that night. So the band has to pick up. They have to know where we're going, you know, within two seconds of me starting a story or starting an intro, they'll follow right along, but it's, it's all in the moment. It's very organic. That was a thing that uh, Merle Haggard used to do. He wouldn't, he wouldn't walk in with a set list. He would basically just call them out in the moment to see where the show goes. And it's a very organic experience you know, just to be a part of that. And then you get to the end of the night, and you're going, oh, I didn't even play this song or I didn't play this song. That's okay because the the mood of the room and the art or the artistic delivery of it, just that song didn't come up today and that's okay. That's really cool. I look forward to seeing you more live in person and experiencing more in a different kind of setting because you were great during CCMA week. So I'm looking forward to seeing you again in another space. That'll be great. So something super cool here are the accolades and recognitions you've been getting over the last several years. You've been performing as an artist and you are a four-time Manitoba Country Music Association award winner and you've landed yourself this year in 2022 four MCMA nominations, including Male Artist of the Year, Roots Artist Duo or Group of the Year, Single of the Year, and the Faye Walker Song of the Year. So how does that feel to be nominated again this year for four more awards and also to win four awards as an artist in your association? How does that feel to be recognized by your peers? Well, that's the whole thing. Is It is your peers who are then recognizing you know, the work that you're putting into it. And we've got a very tight-knit uh, association in Manitoba. We all love to 
kind of support each other and bring everyone together into one room. You know, but I, I kind of take it with like a, a little bit of a grain of salt with a reality check. You know, you know, I can't, I can't eat an award. That means that I worked well in the past, but I also have to go back out there and keep working again. And, you know, I've been nominated for a songwriter. I think the songwriter one's probably the one that means the most to me because, you know, that's just a, a stamp of your, you know, your artistic uh, ability to, you know, bring to life words and songs that are captivating enough that people are going, hey, I, of all the songs that came out this year, I think that was a that's a great example of songwriting right there. And and they, they kind of give you the nod in that regard. So I think that's the one that kind of speaks the most to me. But yeah, just, you know, you want to get in there and be on stage alongside your peers. And, you know, any kind of that recognition is is great. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, no one starts playing country music so they can win awards. They start playing country music because they want to connect with people and develop that that ability to communicate um, stories through songs. So. so while all of those nominations and all of those awards are very well-deserved, congratulations on all of them. Now, you have a very long career ahead of you. I absolutely know it. So throughout your career, what else would you like to achieve as an artist and as a performer? Oh, that's a, that's a really great question. I think a lot of times, you know, what really comes to mind is like – you just want to be around for a long time. You want to be relevant. You want to just be, be able to tell your story. I think that's the hardest part as a, as a performer and as a songwriter is to think like, like, I don't want to be irrelevant anymore. I want to make sure that I'm in tune with what's going on around me and, and able to kind of write songs and be a part of the country music community to, you know, kind of push that forward. So I think that's probably one of the biggest fears. And it's funny that, that, you know, as your career progresses, when you first start out, there seems to be a lot of like, um, maybe maybe a lot of competition and you're going like how come how come I didn't get that show how come so and so got that show and you start to you know really question it or you you see your friends out there working so hard and you're going ah oh, I only played you know six shows this month I probably should have played 12 because I could have if I just worked a bit harder and you kind of see your friends just hustling or you see people that you watch and admire they're just hustling hard and so it's a very draining kind of career to be a part of but at the same point then what I think is so important is that ability to step back and go every year doesn't have to be a banner year. You don't have to shoot for an award every year, whether that's a Western Canadian Music Award or MCMA or a CCMA. Like you don't have to push to that level all the time. It's okay to take a year back and recharge your batteries and then come back, you know, the following year with, with some excitement and rejuvenation because it's, if there's one thing that we learned in COVID, it's like, how hard we were running before COVID and then how in a strange way, how comforting it was to just not have to feel like you're on the road all the time. Like, Oh, I'm going to drive from Winnipeg to Jasper tomorrow to play a show and then turn around and drive back the next day because that's my job. And now so like balancing things, I think balance becomes so important to longevity in this business. So I think that's an important aspect for people to really, uh, yeah, to, to understand as an artist that in order to achieve that longevity, you have to be able to have good balance. And that's something that I'm working on all the time. And even right now, we're, we're in the midst of, you know, taking people, we, we do a lot of backcountry wilderness experiences where we take people, whether it's camping or horseback riding or anything like into the woods, basically. That's just the, the bottom line is get people into the woods where they feel comfortable, but then they can, take in that deep breath. And as much as I get to be in the woods then all the time, you're still running a business, so you're still working, but it does create a different kind of balance than what I might be dealing with as an artist and a musician. And at the end of the day too, you're you're the one making all the phone calls, booking the shows, booking the festivals, uh, booking the plane tickets to Nashville to go line up the, the co-writes for the next batch of songs, flying to Toronto, doing all the work. You know, it's like, there's a lot that happens in in the day-to-day life of an artist that, you know, maybe a lot of people don't necessarily recognize. So that balance just becomes so key. And that's something that I'm, I'm learning, you know, the more that you, you're kind of around, the more kind of confident you can be. Yeah, you know, I won't play Dawkins Country Fest every year, but I'll play it every two to three years, and that's okay. So if it's not my year, it's not my year. I can go play something else this week, uh, that weekend and, you know, be rested and ready to play next year when I get the chance again. That's really cool. So tell us a bit about your band. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a great I mean, Winnipeg, Manitoba in general is a fantastic place to find players. Boy, you got everything from like grand champion fiddle players to 
Juno and and uh, you know Western Canadian Music Award pro- producers and and art and and sorry not artists but other players. So uh, I count myself pretty lucky to have the roster of musicians that I have with the amount of experience that they have because it's just this it's a fantastic group of players that we've played hundreds of shows together through the years. So it's very much like a family. It will typically feature someone on pedal steel guitar. And then fiddle is a key uh, element for us as well. So I'll usually have those two elements looked after. And then strong harmonies are also something that I really like to, to feature on stage. So that's what you kind of get when you come to a Quentin Blair show. It's, 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 it's a country show. It's not a rock and roll show. We'll play some like, up-tempo loud music, but we're also going to make sure that it stays country through and through. That sounds really exciting. So now we're going to talk about your life outside of music, which also sounds quite interesting in itself. So from what I've read, you and your partner, you operate some rural Manitoba properties in Landmark and McGregor, where you raise horses and chickens along with your kids. You also used to have fainting goats, which is amazing, by the way. And you also operate an ecotourism backcountry concert company known as Woodside Outfitters. So I feel like there's a lot to talk about here. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, the uh, Woodside Outfitters is such a such a natural extension of what we do. It actually came out of COVID, the first summer of COVID. Um, you know, between Vanessa and I, we've got four kids. We've got this great string of horses. The kids love to ride and and to barrel race and and trail ride with us. All that kind of fun stuff. And uh, we were we were out for a trail ride one time, just Vanessa and I, and she's like. It's a shame that no one comes to ride with us because we've got this absolutely spectacular corner of the province that we live in and we've got these great horses. Like, why don't we just look at starting something where we can have people come and ride with us? And that for, for a number of years, that, that kind of triggered a thought in my mind as going, I was trying to marry how to, how to play music more, uh, but also stay hyper local because I love being from Manitoba and I love playing in Manitoba, but you know, there's just sometimes opportunities where you have to be traveling and being out there. But the goal was to, to play more in Manitoba and put yourself in a situation where, you know, you can have horseback riding. It could be something like just riding your own backyard pretty much. And that's what we were uh, pushing to accomplish. And that's kind of what we're doing with Woodside Outfitters, where we take people on overnight camp trips, take them camping with the horses. We take them, you know, we've got a cabin that some people stay at. we you know, we'll go and we'll ride out onto the ridge. We'll have a glass of wine while we watch the sun go down or, you know, I'll pull up my guitar and play around a fire for them. And, and it's just really kind of unique experience for somebody who's like, well, I'd like to go see, you know, parts of Manitoba or I want to go and try this trail riding thing. But now it's on a whole nother level because now we're going to sit around the fire and I'm going to find out what their anniversary song is or what their wedding song was. And I'll play it for them around the fire or we'll, you know, kind of, find some way to make it special and memorable for them just because that's music is a series of of moments that you create on stage well all i'm doing is taking that same principle and then applying it to you know being in the wilderness because a lot of times i mean even you know my friend donna merrill's got that song called uh like my church and it's all about you know going to the woods to find peace and and that's the place where you kind of like have that ability to think clearly i've got songs like that as well just from my back catalog of music going like sometimes you just need to get out of cell range in order to get your mind to think and process clearly all the things that are going through it or even still for example uh, i wrote a song with wave thompson where it talks about burning sunsets where you know we only have so many sunsets in life that's just the way that it is but choosing then to make sure each one counts don't just burn sunsets and toss them away like as if they're you're going to have them forever because you won't so choose who you're spending your sunsets with choose what you're doing in life that is going to bring you the most kind of satisfaction uh as you sit back and watch the sun go down and those all came that that whole principle came about from doing this backcountry wilderness guiding and for me it's it's just a great marriage of music and horses and family which just makes me so happy I feel like that would be such a wonderful, great, exciting adventure. And just to kind of zone out for a couple of days and be unplugged for a couple of days, I feel like the places your mind could go to and your imagination and your creativity, all the places would be so exciting. <laughs> well, and that's the other part too, is that like in the end, like musically, we just, we meet people all the time. Every night you play a show, you're going and meeting people and meeting people and 
talking to them and engaging with them in different ways. Now that's just happening over a very direct process for the next four hours. We're taking for a four hour ride. Boy, you get to know someone pretty well when you talk to them for four hours, but guaranteed at a performance, I would have never had that time to talk to someone for four hours and build that connection. So what ends up happening is a lot of people who come out to these things, they know my music. They've been to shows. They, we've talked a little bit before and they follow me on Instagram or whatever it is. So I kind of know them, but I don't really know them. But then we get to spend four hours together and we're talking and planning all how this evening is going to go and how it's going to be this special moment for, for whoever they're on the trip with. And before you know it, you know, you're making some pretty good friends out of this enterprise as well. And so it's, it's a great way for the kids to kind of come along and, and get to know people who it, it puts them in a position where they can learn to talk to people and learn to um, look after, you know, their horses and teach them how to properly ride their horse or, you know, whatever kind of stories they need to tell to kind of um, have these conversations with these people that they've never met before, but at least I know them. So it's kind of putting your kids in a safe spot to learn to socially interact with uh, with other people outside of their friend group. So it's all in all, it's, uh, there's so many different moving parts to the reasons why we do it or what makes it so great on our end. But I think that, you know, it's a pretty special moment too when you're sitting up on the ridge and you're sharing a bottle of wine and just watching the sun go down and just talking, right? So it's, uh, it's a pretty special venture that we're enjoying a lot these days. And it goes pretty busy from middle of August till end of October. So uh, we're kind of in the midst of, of those uh, trail rides and, and overnight trips right now. So yeah, it's <laughs> not much music is being done these days. Have you ever been inspired by somebody's story that they shared with you that you wrote a song about it? Oh, absolutely. I did. Yes. I met a gal up in, I mean, this, this happens regularly. People find their way into my songs, whether they know it or not, but That's cool. I, did meet a, I met a gal up in Dauphin, Manitoba one time. And she came from Kalamazoo, Michigan. She just pointed her car to the northwest and she drove and drove until she needed to stop for gas. And when she was tired, she just happened to stop in Dauphin and she never left. And I thought that was kind of a weird way to get to Dauphin. Is you know, Dauphin is um, northwest of Winnipeg in a, in a territory that we'd call the uh, um, the Parkland. Just beautiful country. There are lots of rolling hills, lots of elevation. We've got. You know, one range of mountains we call the Duck Mountains, another mountain that we call the Riding Mountain in that area. Now, I know, I know, you're, you know, rural Alberta, I better clarify that, you know, in Manitoba, we're loose on the definition of the term mountain, but that's besides the point. But I met this gal up there and she had a Mercury Topaz with 400,000 kilometers on it. And I thought, wow, the story, not only to leave where you were, but to drive this vehicle, you know, probably eight or well, probably 10, 12 hours in, in to the Northwest. And then it's kind of, I, I wrote the song about running from your past, but not letting go of what brought you to that point. So in that moment, it would be the, um, the Mercury Topaz. So it's funny because I just played a show when we left the CCMAs where we stopped at uh, Dauphin to play a show. And sure enough, she's there. She brings me a picture of her Mercury Topaz and a snapshot of the odometer and, you know, it's it's just interesting how you can write a song and eight years later, somebody still remembers it and, and sort of cherishes that moment, kind of spoke into their lives a little bit uh, with a song like that. So, Oh, that is just so darn cool. I love that. Now we're going to be playing one of your songs here in a couple of minutes, $20 Bottle, which I love. But first, I got to ask, those are all the big questions I have for today. But what else is new with you? What is going on in 2022, 2023? Have you started planning yet? Uh, yeah, we got a lot of stuff that we're planning. I mean, obviously, at this stage of the game, it's too early to really commit to what's been, you know, booked and what's going to be announced and all that kind of stuff, because it's some time of, of processing. And, you know, sometimes it depends on other contracts being signed before your contracts are signed. So um, yeah, it's going to be another kind of busy summer. That's kind of our busy season. We kind of play a lot of country fairs and rodeo dances, that kind of stuff. So summer is always hectic, probably starts up just after May long weekend and then usually wraps up at the CCMAs. And then after that, we do the outdoor stuff. So it'll be a busy summer for us. We'll, we'll be traveling all over the, uh, the prairies here just to cover some ground and play some music and meet more people and see people. I mean, it's been a while since I've toured into Alberta. So. It'd be fun to kind of get back out there and see people and friends from, from years gone by. 
Well, I speak for everybody when I say this, but you are more than welcome in Alberta. And we hope you come back very, very soon. Now, before we talk about $20 bottle, where can everybody find you and your music online? It's kind of the standards. I mean, it, it's the uh, the old Instagram, Facebook website. I try to do TikTok. I'm not really great at it. It's probably a sign of my age, but um, I do, <laughs> do have a TikTok account and we'll We'll see if we can get that thing back on track through the wintertime here. It's kind of, I understand the value of it and how it can be really, really fun for people to engage with people from all over the world using that kind of a platform. But everything's at Quentin Blair or Quentin Blair Music, but I'm not, I'm not too hard to find. It's kind of a unique name. Sounds good. So $20 Bottle, that was the first song that I heard from you. That's where I got to know you. And it was because it was up for trending track with our Stingray playlist. And I fought for that song so hard because I just thought it was perfect for summer. So tell us about $20 Bottle before I add it in here. Well, see, it's funny. This will, this will take us full circle because at the beginning of our conversation, we talked a lot about co-writing. So uh, this is a song that I co-wrote with Jason Blaine. We were down at his place in Tennessee. And I walked into the co-write. And, you know, Vanessa and I did something very bad last year during COVID. We were celebrating something one time. And so I bought a $70 bottle of wine to just, we were marking something very monumentous. And we're just like, like, let's celebrate tonight. Get some nice steak and a nice bottle of wine. Well, now, once you drink a $70 bottle of wine, you can't go back to drinking your $15 box of wine, right? So they kind of put us in this (laughs) weird spot. So I... Vanessa, I, I I can't drink the box wine anymore. So Vanessa's drinking the box wine, and and I wanted to write the line. She buys her wine four liters at a time. I thought that was kind of a funny little rhyme to get a song going. And and Jason goes, but you're kind of you're kind of a wilderness guy. You're kind of a, a rural guy. Like it's probably more of a moonshine thing than anything, right? And like, okay, fair enough, fair enough. This will be a moonshine kind of song. You know, like well, you know. How about like a $20 bottle or something like that? Some guy's selling some moonshine out of the back of his back of his barn for 20 bucks a bottle. Okay, so we covered that off. And just a couple of weeks prior, I'd been on an overnight camp trip with my buddy who brought his mules along. And as Jason was kind of searching for, there's got to be a punch. This has got to be like, this moonshine has got extra kick to it. And I said, kicks you like a mule. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And, I said, and then I thought, Oh, it puts a hitch in your hobble. And then he looks at me and he says, it's a whole lot of trouble in a $20 bottle. And that's how a co-write comes together with your own idea and then opening up the story and then someone else coming through and delivering on it too. And so I couldn't be happier with the song that we wrote. And then Pete Lesperance in Toronto, part of the Sharp Nine team with Bill Miller. Pete produces my tunes now and and he just grabbed that one and just went to town on it. And we're so happy with how it turned out. Um, and I'm so grateful to have a team like that that I get to work with and make music with. And uh, heading back down to Tennessee in a couple of weeks. And hopefully we'll, uh, Jason and I will write another one like that. But yeah, it kicks you like a mule, put a hitch in your hobble. Whole lot of trouble in a $20 bottle. That was That was the one. That is an Instagram caption right there, too, for all the millennials. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Quentin, thank you so much for joining me for One to Watch Wednesday this week. As I mentioned earlier, it's an absolute pleasure to get you on. And I'm so excited for everybody to learn more about you and about your music. And now before I wrap things up here, introduce the song for us. Well, this is a song I wrote with Jason Blaine down in Nashville, Tennessee. It's called $20 Bottom. Trouble in a twenty dollar bottle. A giant of a man with a snow white beard. Tell your son I've been cooking here for too many years. Out behind the barn in my moonshine still. If they ain't found me yet, they probably never will. It'll kick you like a mule, put a hitch in your hobble. A whole lot of trouble in a twenty dollar bottle. Trouble in a $20 bottle
up, she was sipping on her gin. She grabbed me by the hand, pulled me out on the floor, and the next thing you know, we were out the back door. Dixie cup was sipping that shine in the dark. Solid country gold got her here in my arms. Swaying to the left, swaying to the right. So keep with me in the full moonlight. She said you only live once, baby. That's my motto. A whole lot of trouble in a twenty dollar bottle. In a $20 bottle Get you swaying left Get you swaying right Makes you wanna love Makes you wanna fight Kicks you like a mule Put a hitch in your hobble A whole lot of trouble In a $20 bottle Fired up a Friday River Running full throttle A whole lot of trouble In a $20 bottle A whole lot of trouble In a $20 bottle A whole lot of trouble In a $20 bottle There is our guest, Quinton Blair, with his latest release. Isn't it so fun? It's called $20 Bottle. And a few minutes ago, you heard his song, Wild Horse Rider. Both of those songs and all of his music is available wherever you buy, download, or stream your songs right now. And as he mentioned, he is on all social media platforms. And you can, of course, go on his website at quintonblair.com to follow along on his very promising and very exciting musical journey. A massive, massive thank you going out to Quinton for hanging out on One to Watch Wednesday this week. That was a total blast. And you are welcome back any time. That is your One to Watch Wednesday for this week. Thank you for hanging out. My name is Sarah Scott. Have a great rest of your day. (laughs) 